بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا آمين So we've reached with the Imam in the book Umdat al-Fiqh of Imam Ibn Qudama al-Maqdisi Rahimahullah and we've been going through a variety of topics pertaining to the Salah pertaining to the prayer Today we're with the Imam where he says Babu Salati Tatawa the chapter or the section pertaining to the voluntary prayers and this section is very important for the following reasons um, as we'll come to know in the hadith which I'm just about to mention now Prophet ﷺ mentioned in the hadith in Bukhari that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Man li waliyan whoever shows enmity to a wali of mine a wali is somebody who's truly close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whoever shows enmity to a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then Allah announces war upon that person and then the Prophet ﷺ continued and said that Allah said, وَمَا تَقَرَّبَ إِلَيَّ عَبْدِي بِشَيْءٍ أَحَبُّ إِلَيْهِ مِمَّا افْتَرَدْتُ عَلَيْهِ أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ مِمَّا افْتَرَدْتُ عَلَيْهِ That my slave, my worshipper, continues to come closer to me with nothing better than that which is more beloved to me than the obligatory deeds. So the best way of getting close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is by establishing and perfecting the obligatory, obligatory deeds. وَمَا يَزَالُ عَبْدِي يَتَّقَرَّبُ إِلَيَّ بِالنَّوَافِلْ حَتَّى أُحِبَّهُ And then my slave, my worshipper, continues to come close to me by doing the voluntary deeds, by doing the voluntary acts of worship. حَتَّى أُحِبَّهُ Until I start to love him. So after you've established the obligatory deeds, you then look to establishing the voluntary deeds. And this is why this chapter is so important, because it's going to tell us about the voluntary acts of worship that we should establish in our day-to-day -day routine or whenever we come across the opportunity to do them. And also the Prophet ﷺ said, importantly in another hadith, which is collected by Imam Abu Dawood, Imam Tirmidhi and others, the Prophet ﷺ said, as narrated by Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu, who said, سَمِعْتَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى يَقُولُ I heard the Prophet ﷺ say, إِنَّ أَوْلَ مَا يُحَاسِبُ بِهِ الْعَبْدُ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ مِنْ عَمَلِهِ صَلَاتُهُ That the first thing that a person is going to be questioned about on the day of judgment from his actions or her actions are their prayers. فَإِنْ صَلَحَتْ فَقَدْ أَفْلَحَ وَأَنْجَحَ And if the prayers are correct and valid, then they will be successful. وَإِنْ فَسَدَتْ فَقَدْ خَابَ وَخَسِرَ However, if the prayers are incorrect, then they will be in a state of loss and detriment. So, فَنِنْتَقَصَ مِنْ فَرِيدَةِ شَيْءٌ if there is something which is uh, missing from the obligatory deeds pertaining to the prayers, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through his mercy, he says, قَالَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through his mercy will say to the angels, look to the book of deeds of my worshipper and see does he have or she have any extra voluntary deeds that can complete the defects which were found in the obligatory deeds. So every time a person does a voluntary deed, not only do they get extra reward, but if they find themselves in a situation on the Day of Judgment that their obligatory deeds are in a state of defect, then maybe Allah through His mercy will allow the person to have the defects completed and uh, overlooked by virtue of the many voluntary deeds that the person did. So that's why it's important that we study such chapters so we know what types of voluntary prayers we can do, when they are to be done, how they are to be done. And we should encourage ourselves uh, to do them, of course. 
The author, may Allah have mercy upon him, he says, These voluntary prayers are five types. The voluntary prayers in this book of fiqh are five different types. One of them, One of these types out of the five is what is known as are those sunnah prayers which are connected to the obligatory prayers. The sunnah prayers which come either before or after the obligatory prayers in their respective times. They are mu'akkadat, they are stressed prayers, meaning they are stressed in the sense that the Prophet ﷺ always paid attention to them whenever he could. So we as believers and followers of the Prophet ﷺ should also pay attention to them whenever we can. And from their ahkam, from their rulings, is yukrahu tarkuhu. From their rulings is that it is disliked to leave them off. And... As pertaining to other sunan salah, if you to leave them off, then it's not disliked. So these sunan aratiba that we're going to discuss, the ones which are attached to the obligatory prayers, either before them or directly after them, these are the ones which are mu'akkada, they are highly stressed and they shouldn't be left off. If they are left off, it's makru. And all of the other sunan prayers, if they were to be left off, then there's nothing upon the worshipper. That the, the, there's no situation which is negative regarding that. And also these sunan ar-rawatiba, ar-ratiba, if they are missed out due to whatever reason and the person in, is in the habit of praying them, then the person is allowed and recommended to make them up, like also the witr prayer. So the author, he says, These ratiba prayers are the ones which the great companion Ibn Umar, may Allah have mercy upon him, said, Ten raka'at, ten Units of prayer I memorized from the Prophet ﷺ. Two units of prayer before Dhuhr, not before the time of Dhuhr, before the obligatory prayer of Dhuhr within the time of Dhuhr. And two units of prayer after the obligatory prayer of Dhuhr. And two units of prayer after the obligatory Maghrib prayer. These two, the Maghrib, the Prophet ﷺ would pray in his house and two units of prayer after Isha in the house of the Prophet and two units of prayer before the obligatory Fajr prayer this hadith is in Bukhari so we see here in this hadith that the great companion Ibn Umar anhu, he said I memorized from the Prophet and it was known that Ibn Umar was one of those companions that were very keen in following everything that the Prophet ﷺ did. He was known to be one of those companions that would be very diligent in following up the actions of the Prophet ﷺ. So when he says, I memorize from the Prophet ﷺ these ten raka'at, it shows that the Prophet ﷺ would always do them whenever possible. Therefore, they are mu'akkadat, they are stressed. And that's why a person shouldn't leave them. In fact, the humbly scholars... May have mercy upon them. They say that the one who is consistent in leaving off these ten raka'at in totality, then this person loses his adala. Adala is like trustworthiness, meaning that the person is not trustworthy anymore to be a witness in the Islamic courts. He loses his ability to give shahada. There is another narration, uh, which is famous, the narration of Umm Habiba, the mother of the believers, the wife of the Prophet ﷺ, which is narrated by Imam Muslim, 
She says, سَمَعْتَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ سَلَمْ يَقُولُ مَنْ صَلَّ إِثْنَةَ عَشْرَةَ رَكَعَةً فِي يَوْمٍ وَلَيْلَةٍ بُنْيَ لَهُ بِهِنَّ بَيْتٌ فِي الْجَنَّةِ Whoever prays, the Prophet said in this narration, 12 raka'at in the day and the night, uh, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala due to those prayers will build for him or her a house in Jannah. So the humbly scholars, they say that this is not referring to the 10 that we've already mentioned, rather it's referring to any 12 sunnah that the person prays. So you could pray these 10 and then you could add another two or you could do any other sunnah which adds up to 12 prayers. However, the point that the imam mentioned in the book is referring to the 10 that we mentioned in detail in the hadith of Ibn Umar. Radiyallahu anhu, may Allah have mercy upon him. Um, the hadith of Ibn Umar, it continues where he says, حدثني حفسة أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كان إذا طلع الفجر وأذن المؤذن صلى ركعتين. That Hafsa radiyallahu anha, she, the sister of Ibn Umar, she said that when the sun would rise in the morning, not when the sun would rise, when the time of Fajr would come about in the morning, and the Mu'addin has given the adhan, then the Prophet sallallahu would pray two rak'ah. Then the Prophet sallallahu would pray two rak'ah. And this is referring to the uh, two rak'ah, which is before the obligatory sunnah prayer. So this is the completion of the hadith which mentions the ten raka'at by Ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma. Um, the author, he says, وَهُمَ أَكَدُهَا And these two are the most stressed out of these ten. Meaning that they are the ones that the Prophet ﷺ never left off. Because Aisha radiallahu anha, uh, she mentioned in the hadith in Muslim, raka'at uh, al-fajr, that the Prophet ﷺ said, raka'at al-fajr khayru min dunya wa ma fiha. That these two raka'at before fajr are better than the whole world and what it contains in terms of benefit. So the person when he's in his grave or she's in her grave, the thing that they would wish the most is that they could come back and pray these two raka'ah due to the immense amount of reward that they have. And these two raka'ah, they don't take much time because the author, he says, It's recommended that these are prayed lightly, meaning that they are prayed quickly as long as the uh, the arkan are done properly and the wajibat are done properly and the least amount of tranquility is there. But in general, it's recommended to pray these two quickly. The author, he said, And to pray them in the house, meaning that if a person goes to the masjid to pray, which they should do if it's a man and they live close to a masjid, if they go to the masjid to pray, however, to pray the sunnah, these two sunnah of fajr in the house is better because the Prophet ﷺ would say, the Prophet said, O people, pray in your houses, for verily the best of the prayer is in your houses, except for the obligatory ones, meaning that the men should pray in the masjid, the obligatory prayers. The author, he said, Likewise, the two units which are prayed after the obligatory prayer of Maghrib, it's better that they pray them in the house. A side point pertaining to what we've mentioned with these uh, 10 raka'at, uh, the 10 which um, Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu mentioned that he memorized them from the Prophet wasallam. the 10 which are known as mu'akkadat, stressed prayers, sunan al-rawatib, that the traveler can pray these sunnas, the one who is traveling on a journey, can pray the sunnah or he has the uh, decision to not pray the sunnah. Both of them are virtuous, meaning that there's nothing, there's no blame upon the person in the situation of travel. The person can choose to pray them or the person can choose to leave them off. 
except for the Sunnah al-Fajr which is and the, and the Witr prayer which is highly recommended because the Prophet ﷺ never left them off. The second category of these voluntary prayers that the author is teaching us is Al-Witr. Okay, Al-Witr. The second type of the voluntary prayers is Al-Witr. And the Witr is not connected to Salat Al-Aisha, rather it's an independent Sunnah Mu'akkada, it's an independent stressed Sunnah which is done after the Isha prayer and the Sunnah of the Isha prayers. And it's highly stressed. The Prophet said, as in the hadith in Tirmidhi and Abu Dawood and elsewhere, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has gifted you and given you a prayer which is better for you than the red camels. And the red camels in the time of the Prophet were valued like Rolls Royces and Ferraris, etc., are valued today. He said, Al-Witr, It is the Witr prayer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it for you between the Isha, once the Isha is done, up until the time that Fajr comes in. So this is a very virtuous prayer. And in fact, many of the ulama, they would say that it's uh, inconceivable that a person would leave it off because the least of it is only one rakah. So the author, he says, That the timing for it is between Isha and, for the, and until Fajr comes in. So once Isha has been prayed and the Sunnah of Isha is done, then the person goes ahead and prays Witr. There's a mas'ala here, there's a point here that needs to be mentioned. That if a person is doing what is known as combining the prayers, taqdim, that the person is combining the prayer of Isha in the time of Maghrib, which is allowed to be done. The person is praying Isha in the time of Maghrib. So in this situation, even though it's not Isha time, the person after praying the Maghrib and the Isha that they've joined together, they are now allowed to pray the Witr. They don't have to wait for the Isha time to come in. Because in the situation of Jama Taqdeem, you have brought the, the Isha prayer to the Maghrib prayer for a valid excuse. So in this situation, you are allowed to pray the Witr straight after you've prayed the Isha in the Maghrib time. Um, the author is telling us that the least of the witr prayer is one raka'ah. Al-witr, the Prophet ﷺ said in the, sah- in the hadith of Sahih Muslim, Al-witr raka'atun min akhri layl That witr is one unit of prayer from the last part of the night or from the night. Uh, so this is alluding, this hadith is teaching us that if you want to pray as just one, you can go ahead and pray as one unit. So it's not something which is disliked as mentioned by some scholars. And some scholars hold it to be disliked. But it's not something which is disliked because in fact it's authentically reported that at least 10 of the great companions of the Prophet wasallam, the Sahaba, they would pray them. Pray it like this at times, one rakah. And from them is Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, etc. As mentioned in the book, Hidayat al-Raghib. The author, he says, The most of the witr to be prayed is 11 rakah. Because Aisha radiyallahu anha, the wife of the Prophet sallallahu she said in the hadith in Bukhari, مَا كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ يَزِيدُ فِي رَمَضَانِ وَلَا فِي غَيْرِهِ عَلَىٰ That the Prophet sallallahu never used to increase, whether it's in Ramadan or outside of Ramadan, upon 11 rak'ah. So this is akthrul kamal, this is the best way to pray the witr if you are able to do so, to pray 11. There are other reports that the Prophet sallallahu at time would pray 13, but the most that's narrated about the Prophet ﷺ pertaining to the witr is that he used to pray 11. And also note 
that witr, the discussion about witr being 11 raka'ah, and then you have a separate discussion about taraweeh, how many raka'at taraweeh should be. These are two separate issues. Taraweeh is separate to witr. The author, he says, وَأَدْنَ الْكَمَالِ ثَلَاثٌ بِتَسْلِيمَتَيْنِ And the least of the best ways to pray it, the witr is to pray it three raka'ah, but with two taslims. Uh, what he means here is that you pray the witr, uh, it's recommended, highly recommended, that if you pray the witr as three, you pray it two, and then you finish the prayer by making the taslim, assalamu alaikum warahmatullah, assalamu alaikum warahmatullah, and then you get up to pray a third raka'ah independently. So you've prayed two, you finish them, and you get up to pray a third one independently. And the reason this is better than praying all three of them together, which is allowed that you can pray all three units together, and after having prayed the third, you sit down for the tashahud, and then you make the taslim. The reason praying it in the way that I've just explained is better because there's more action involved. Okay, there's more action involved, therefore there's more reward involved. Uh, it's sunnah to recite in the witr the following as in the hadith of uh, Imam Ahmad, Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah. Uh, Ibn Abbas anhu, narrates in this hadith, كَانَ نَبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَقْرَأُ فِي الْوِتْرِ بِسَبِّ حِسْمِ رَبِّكَ الْعَلَى وَقُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ وَقُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٍ فِي رَكَعَةٍ رَكَعَةٍ That the Prophet, that Ibn Abbas عنهما, he narrated that the Prophet used to pray with the surah سَبِّ حِسْمِ رَبِّكَ الْعَلَى in the first unit of the witr and in the second he would pray with قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ and in the third, it would be قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ So this is sunnah to do if you are able to do it. The author, he says, وَيَقْنُطُ فِي الثَّالِثَةِ بَعْدَ الرُّقُوعِ And in the third rak'ah, it's highly recommended that you make the du'a al-qunut after the rukuh. It's highly recommended that you make the du'a al-qunut. أَلَوْ مَحْدِنَا فِي مَنْ حَدَيْتُ وَآفِنَا فِي مَنْ آفَيْتُ وَتَوَلَّنَا فِي مَنْ تَوَلَيْتُ To the end of it, if you know the du'a al-qunut, it's highly recommended that you make it in the witr in the, after praying the third rak'ah after the ruku'. However, some ulama have said that you can do it before the ruku' also. It's mustahab, either is okay, inshallah. It's something which is recommended. So, the author, he didn't mention an important point about the sunnan al-rawatiba, the 10 sunnan that we took from the hadith of Ibn Umar and also the witr, that if you miss this, that you are allowed to make it up. You are allowed to make them up in any time as long as it's not the forbidden times. The forbidden times, inshallah, we'll take in next week's, next week's lesson. So you can make up these sunnan, the ones which were sunnan al-rawatiba, sunnan al-rawatiba, and the witr, if you miss them, you can make them up. However, the ulama, they say that if you miss many of the 10 uh, that we mentioned in the hadith of Ibn Umar, if you miss many of those 10, then it's better to leave them and only make up the two of Fajr. You only make up the two of Fajr, which is more recommended. And you make them up in the same way that they would have pre- been prayed normally. Because Al-Qadah Yahki Al-Adah. That when you make up a prayer, you do it in the same way that, same way that you would normally do it. The third category, which the author is mentioning as voluntary prayers, he says, المطلق, General and specified uh, voluntary prayers. The prayers that are not restricted to, um, the obli- not connected to the obligatory prayers. Okay, you can pray them at any time of the day, as long as they are not in the forbidden times. They're unrestricted, nafal prayers. Like, for example, 
if somebody decides that between uh, Maghrib and Isha that they want to pray many nawafil, they want to pray nafil, then they can go ahead and do that. And in fact, it's a very virtuous deed. Many of the Salaf, many of the righteous that came before us, they used to pray between Maghrib and Isha uh, two by two by two. For example, you can pray after making wudu, you can pray two rak'ah. This is something which is also very virtuous. Okay, You pray tahit al-masjid, two rak'ah, when you enter into the masjid. There's many different types of sunan that you can pray throughout the day. Uh, from the most virtuous of them also I should mention is that the Prophet ﷺ said Man salla al-qabl al-arba'a rahimallahu imrin salla qabl al-asr arba'a or kama qal that the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah has mercy upon a person that prays four units of uh, prayer before the asr prayer meaning that the asr prayer, of prayer the asr time has come in but before you pray the obligatory asr, four raka'at, you pray another four raka'at before that, and you are given that huge reward of Allah having mercy upon you. And you also have the Salat al-Duha, which is prayed after the sun has risen, after 15 minutes after the sunrise, and many others. The author, he says, That the, the virtue of the voluntary prayers in the night are more virtuous than the voluntary prayers of the day. Because the Prophet said in Sahih Muslim, that the best virtuous prayer after the obligatory prayers are the prayers in the night. Why is this the case? Because the prayer in the night is when there's nobody around to witness you. Everyone else is asleep and you've left your bed to go to pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it shows you that you have much longing to be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It shows you that you are trying to have a lot of sincerity because you're hiding your deeds from the people. You're doing the voluntary prayers when people are asleep and no one can see you. And the last half of the night or the last third of the night is better than that which is before it. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ said in this amazing hadith in Sahih Bukhari, يَنزِلُ رَبُّنَا تَبَارَكَ تَعَالَى كُلَّ لَيْلَةٍ إِلَى سَمَاءِ دُنْيَا هِنَا يَبْقَى ثُلُثَ اللَّيْلِ الْآخِرِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a way that befits his majesty and is known to him alone, descends to the lowest of the heavens when it's the last third of the night, every night. Every night Allah descends to the last third, to, uh, in the last third of the night, to the lowest heavens in a way that befits his majesty. And he says, مَن Who is there that is calling upon me that I may answer his or her supplication? Who is asking me a need and I will give them that need. Who is seeking forgiveness from me, I will forgive them. So this tremendous hadith in Bukhari encourages us that there is a special time in the last third of the night wherein Allah descends to the lowest heavens and he makes this announcement that to those people that have left alone their beds at that time half an hour before Fajr or an hour before Fajr or two hours before Fajr whatever they are able to do then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to answer their du'as and they are going to have a special relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that special time so how do you find the last third of the night? you basically divide between Maghrib and Fajr between the time of Maghrib and the time of Fajr you divide it into three and the last third of the night is your last third within that time frame the author, he says, وَصَلَاتُ اللَّيْلِ مَثْنَ مَثْنَ The night prayer, the one who does the hajjid, qiyam al-layl, it should be done two by two. And then you end with the witr. Because in Bukhari, narrated by Ibn Umar, the Prophet ﷺ said, صَلَاتُ اللَّيْلِ مَثْنَ مَثْنَ 
The night prayer is two by two. فَإِذَا خَشْيَ أَحَدُكُمُ الصُّبْحِ صَلَّى رَقْعَةً تُوْتِرُ لَهُمَا قَدْ صَلَّى صَلَّى رَقْعَةً وَاحِدَةً تُوْتِرُ لَهُمَا قَدْ صَلَّى The Prophet said the night prayer is two by two, two units, two units. And then if one of you fears that the dawn is about to come upon him, meaning that the time of Fajr, then he goes ahead and he prays one unit to make all of what he has prayed odd as a witr. Um, the author he says was that the one who prays chooses to pray these voluntary prayers sitting down even though they can stand then they get half of the reward okay the person who chooses to pray sitting down even though they can stand gets half of the reward this is only in the voluntary prayers in the obligatory prayers you have to stand if you are able to stand because as we learned that is a rukun Standing is a rukun and you can never leave it off unless you are unable to stand. Whereas in the voluntary prayers, you can pray sitting down if you choose to, but you will only get half of the reward. The time when you get the full reward, even though you are sitting in the voluntary prayers, if you are sick and unable to stand. Okay, because the Prophet said in the hadith in Bukhari, إِذَا مَرِضَ الْعَبْدَ أَوْ سَافَرَ كُتِبَ لَهُ مَا كَانَ يَعْمَلُ مُقِيمًا سَحِيهًا that the uh, worshipper of Allah if he becomes sick uh, or, or travels then he gets the same reward for that which he used to do whilst he was a resident or whilst he was in a good state of health so if traveling prevents you from being able to pray or being sick prevents you from being able to pray you still get the reward of praying as you used to do normally because that was your habit so you were prevented from praying Therefore, you still get the reward of praying in the habitual way that you used to pray. Therefore, if you pray sitting down because you cannot pray standing up due to a sickness, you're still going to get the reward of praying the full, uh, the full reward of praying as though you were praying standing. The fourth type category of voluntary deeds that the author is going to mention. He says, That which is recommended or it's sunnah to pray in congregation. And it is three types. So dealing with the fourth type of the voluntary prayer, underneath it, it has three types, A, B, C. Okay, and these are the ones which are recommended to pray in jama'ah, in congregation. One of them is the taraweeh prayer. Taraweeh is the prayer that is uh, given the name taraweeh from the word raha resting why because the companions the sahaba radiyallahu anhum and the early muslims they would make this prayer very long they would pray up to five hours during the night and between each four raka'ah and they would take a long break okay this is where the word taraweeh came from the author says ramadan and this is prayed in ramadan after isha and it is 20 raka'at it is 20 raka'at according to the majority of the scholars throughout the history of Islam. However, there are many scholars, there are scholars that differ over the number of what should be prayed. Should it be 13? Should it be 11? Should it be 20? Some go as far as 30 and above that. Uh, the point is that this is something which is not to be argued over. It can be discussed in an academic manner, manner but people should not argue with one another over what is the number of raka'at that should be prayed because the Prophet ﷺ, he didn't restrict the number of prayer rather he said Salatul Layl, Mathna Mathna the night prayer is two by two 
and also the Prophet said very important in the hadith in Tirmidhi Man qama ma'al imam hatta yansarif kutiba lahu qiyam al-layl Whoever prays with the imam, meaning in tarawih, until the imam finishes then he gets the reward of praying the whole of the night So this is something recommended that when you find yourself in a masjid whether they pray 11, 13, 20 or more than that you should try to complete with the imam because then you get the reward of praying the whole night and in fact Shaykh Islam in Taymiyyah he said that if the people are praying raka'at, that the raka'at, they are making it long with lots of recitation, then they should pray 13 or 11. But if they are making the raka'at short, then they should increase to 20 and maybe more than that. In any case, the point I'm trying to make is that the author is mentioning 20 as is the opinion of the majority of the scholars. And sadly, you find a lot of people every year debating this issue. It should only be discussed as an academic issue uh, you shouldn't debate it and get upset with one another because there's a lot of scoop for there's not scoop there's a lot of scope for um, flexibility in this matter. Bismillah. The author he says and the second of of uh, what is to be mentioned under this category of what should be prayed in congregation is salatul kusuf. is the eclipse prayer. So whenever there is an eclipse, people should rush to the prayer. Why? Because when there is a solar eclipse or a lunar eclipse, this is from the signs of Allah's majesty and greatness, that He is able to change the natural order of events. He is able to cause the, the, the sun to stop benefiting the earth. He is able to cause darkness upon the earth uh, as He wishes, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And lots of people that have superstitions pertaining to the lunar or solar eclipse, but rather the Muslims, what they do, they rush to the prayer to acknowledge Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's majesty and to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness and protection. In ahabu jama'atan wa in ahabu furada, that if people they want to pray this solar eclipse prayer, they can pray it whether they want to do so in group or they can pray it individually. If they pray it in a group, there is no adhan to be made for it, rather, what is mentioned. That the one who is calling the people to the prayer, he says, As-salatul salatul jami'ah. Congregation prayer, congregation prayer. And the people flock to the prayer. The author, he says, فَيُكَبِّرُوا وَيَقْرَوا الْفَاتِحَةَ وَصُورَةً طَوِيلَةً So the imam or the person that is praying by themselves, they make the takbir and then they pray Surah Al-Fatiha and a long surah. ثُمَّ يَرْكَعُوا رَقُوءًا طَوِيلًا ثُمَّ يَرْفَعُوا Then the person, he makes a ruku, a long ruku, and then he gets up. Now after having got up from the ruku, the person doesn't go down into the sujood. Rather the person starts again a second rakah after the ruku, not going to sujood. So then the person from the ruku of the first one, he gets up and he starts a second unit. And in the second unit, he also prays Surah Al-Fatiha and a long surah but the surah is less in length than the one that was prayed in the first unit. After that, then makes the ruku, and the ruku is to be less in length than the ruku that was before it. Then the person gets up from the ruku, and then the person makes two long sujoods. So what you're finding here is that it's one raka, okay, but it's made into two. It's one rakah in the sense that after the ruku, the first ruku, you don't go into the sujood. Rather, you get back up and you start another surah al-fatiha with another surah. After having done that, 
then you go into the Raku and then you go into the Sujood and then you make two long Sujood and then you get up again and you repeat what you did in the first unit so you end up praying four Raka'at in two and you have uh, four Sajdas, four prostrations so you end up praying, end up having ruku four times and you end up having the sujood four times. And then you make the tashahud and you make the taslim. So this, um, this way of praying this, the lunar eclipse or the solar eclipse is the most authentic way as mentioned by Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim because this is the narration that they both agree upon. There are other narrations which mention that you pray three in each standing or four in each standing but as Sheikh uh, Abdul Aziz Rajihi mentioned that this is shahad this is not uh, very firm very well authenticated the author he says athalith, the third type of prayer which is recommended to pray in congregation Salatul Istisqa the rain prayer Salatul Istisqa known as Salatul Istiratha also the, the prayer of seeking help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the prayer of seeking rain and this is done in many Muslim countries when there is a need for rain. In fact, it was done in Afghanistan recently. Afghanistan, may Allah help them, they are going through a drought and a period of uh, devastation in terms of poverty. But I think it was in Khandaha recently they made the um, Salat al-Istisqa and soon after there was plentiful rain. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds to this prayer if it's done with sincerity. The author, he said, إِذَا أَجْدَبَتِ الْأَرْضُ this prayer is to be done when the earth becomes dry and the rain stops meaning that there's a type of a drought then the people they go out with the imam the imam here means the leader of the muslims or the one that is appointed as the leader of the muslims so you have uh, in the muslim country you have the ruler if he doesn't come out to pray with them then he can appoint somebody to pray on his behalf so this person goes with the congregation of Muslims to a place outside of the masjid. It's not to pray inside the masjid, it's to be prayed outside somewhere in an open space. And they are mutakhashi'in, they are in a state of deep contemplation, a state of khushu with their eyes down. They're contemplating the situation they are in. They're contemplating who they are going to beg to relieve them from this hardship. Mutabaddilin. Mutabaddilin, it means that they leave of any form of adornment and only wear humble clothing because they're not going out in a manner to show off. They're going out to worship Allah Azawajal and to beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to show to Allah Azawajal how much they are in need of Him. Mutadallilin, Mutadallilin means to com show complete poverty and humility and servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, realizing that none can remove from them their harm except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mutadarri'in means in a state of tawbah. Because one of the best ways to relieve yourself from a difficult situation is that you make tawbah to Allah Azawajal. So the Imam, he prays with this congregation, the rain prayer, as you would pray the Salat al-Eid. Of course, we haven't covered the fiqh of Salat al-Eid, but if Allah gives us life, we can do that in the future. Then the Imam, he will give one khutbah, not two, as in Juma or, or, or not too like in Eid, he gives them only the one khutbah. And in this khutbah, lots of istighfar is made. Because the more you seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the more you are relieved from your difficulty. Because as the scholar said, No difficulty descends except due to 
in most cases due to the sins of the people. And it's not removed from the people except due to them repenting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through tawbah and istighfar. And in the Quran, in Surah Nuh, Prophet Nuh said, فَقُلْتُ اسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ إِنَّهُ كَانَ غَفَارًا يُرْسِلِ السَّمَاءَ عَلَيْكُمْ مِدْرَارًا وَيُمْدِدْكُمْ بِأَمْوَالٍ وَبَنِينَ وَيَجْعَلْ لَكُمْ جَنَّاتٍ وَيَجْعَلْ لَكُمْ أَنْحَارًا That Nuh alayhi salam, he was telling his people, encouraging his people that you should seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Lots of istighfar, because he is the one who loves to forgive. And if you do this istighfar, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send upon you rain from the heavens. Okay, and he will send upon you uh, wealth and he will give you plentiful in your gardens, etc, etc. Lots of provisions. So the istighfar, it has a huge benefit if the people attach themselves to it. Dorothy, he says, And of course, when the imam is reciting in this istisqar prayer, in the rain prayer, he should recite verses like the one I've just mentioned, which command or re- remind the believers to make istighfar. And the people, they take their outer garments and they turn it inside out. So for example, the people who are wearing cloaks, they take it and they turn it inside out and they put it back on. The reason why they do this is tafa'ul. Tafa'ul meaning having hope and um, positive thought that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will change the state. So like you've changed the state of your clothing, your outer garments, Allah will change the state that the people they find themselves in. The author, he said, وَإِنْ خَرَجَ مَعْهُمْ أَهْلُ الْذِمَّةِ لَمْ يُمْنَعُوا If the people of Dhimma, the Dhimma are those Jews and Christians that live in the Islamic state or in the Islamic country and they pay what is known as the jizya, they pay the tax. And the tax is something which is tiny, less than uh, what we pay in zakah. And it's, uh, so we, the Muslims pay more in zakah than the non-Muslims pay in the jizya. So these people that live with the Muslims in peace and security uh, and pay this tax, they are known as Ahlul Dhimma. So if the Ahlul Dhimma, they want to go out and they want to make in their own way a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are not prevented from doing so. Why? Because it's the right of every human being and every creature on this earth to be provided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, umiru and yanfaridu anil muslimin. However, they are asked and commanded to be away from the Muslims because Kufr, disbelief, is that which angers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to have those with you when you are making dua to Allah in you are begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to change your state, you are begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive the Muslims for their sins, then you don't want to have those people who have the greatest sin, which is the sin of disbelief, with you. So they are asked and they are commanded to go ahead and do whatever they want to do, but away from what the Muslims are doing uh, in their prayer, because kufr, Disbelief is that which angers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Adarb al-Khamis, and this is what we'll finish with inshallah, the fifth type of the voluntary prayers is sujood tilawa sujood tilawa is the prostration that you do at times when you are reading certain verses in the Qur'an. Uh, they are known that at, at certain points in the Qur'an you will make a prostration uh, when you come across these Excuse me. In Bukhari, Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu anhu, he said, Qaratu ala nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wal najm, fallam yasjud fiha, wal najmi, fallam yasjud fiha. That uh, Zayd ibn Thabit was reading this uh, surah, which has in it sujood al-tilawa, 
And the Prophet ﷺ at this time didn't make the sajda. He didn't make the prostration. So this hadith shows us that it's not obligatory to make this prostration. Rather, it's something which is recommended. Okay. However, the Imam's opinion is, as is the opinion of the Hanbali scholars and the majority of ulama, that this sajda tilawa is to be treated like you would treat a normal prayer. In the sense that you have to have wudu for it, in the sense that you have to face the qibla, and in the sense that you have to make the taslim. <coughs> so the author he says, This sajda that you would make the prostration of recitation is found in 14 different places in the Quran. In Surah Al Hajj, you find it having two, two places in that surah, Surah Al Hajj, of prostration. Al A'raf, you will find one. والرعد والنحل والإسراء ومريم والحج إثنتان والفلقان والنمل وألف لاميم سجدة وفصلت والنجب والانشقاق والعلق All of these surahs uh, you will find in the Quran that you can do uh, the sajda tilawa the prostration of recitation if you wish to do so ويسنو السجود للتالي والمستمع دون السامع It's recommended for the one who is reciting to do this prostration also for the one who is intentively listening not the one who is just happens to be listening so the mustami' the tali is the one that is reciting the mustami' the one who is intentively who intends to listen and the sami' is the one who happens to listen so it's not obligatory on a person or it's not upon a person to make this prostration if they're just walking past and they hear the Quran so they're walking down the street they hear the Quran coming from a car they don't have to prostrate in the street. It's, it's more referring to the one who is sitting somewhere where they are listening to the Quran intensively, attentively and they come across a, um, a prostration uh, a, uh, a prostration of recitation such that tilawa, then they should do this uh, prostration. The author, he explains how to do it. He says, The person, he makes the takbir before going into the suj, sujood and he makes the takbir from uh, getting up from the sujood also because it's treated like a prayer. Tayyib, uh, inshallah, we'll stop here, inshallah. That's all I want to say pertaining to these points today, inshallah. And the next session is going to be a very important one.